Hello and welcome. My name is Rihanna Yazi, and I'm the artistic director of New Native Theater. New Native Theater is located in Minneapolis, St. Paul, which is Dakota Oyunke territory. Well, thank you for joining us for this fourth episode of our audio play series. For those of you who've been listening along, you'll know that these plays have come from our 2016 National Native American 10-Minute Play Festival. So, Limikin. This is the play that we're going to hear today. It is written by Six Nations playwright Vicky Ramirez. I think one of the really cool things when you start to read Vicky's work and get to know the world that she's creating, that you really start to get a intimate feel into some recurring characters that she likes to revisit. So we get to meet Connie and Brewster in this episode. And actually, Limikin, if you are very intrigued, you can go on to read Pure Native, the full-length version of this story, which Vicky ended up writing, and then it got produced in Los Angeles at Native Voices. So that's a really exciting thing to see that process happen. And if you're interested even more, which I'm absolutely sure you will be, you'll want to know more about the characters and more about this community that Vicky is writing about. You can read more or watch more of these characters in yet another play of hers called Smoke and Ashes. Well, let's not wait any longer. You've got your popcorn, you've got your bubbly water, I hope you've got your good earphones in. All right, everybody, take it away, Limikin. Thunderers, Skywoman, I could use some help. I know nowadays you'd rather not be bothered, you'd rather pretend you're metaphors or some stupid something like that, but wouldn't you like to go back to the good old days when you were something to be reckoned with? Throw one well-timed thunderbolt or boulders, great big huge ones. Just like in the story of a whale, boulders that can crush and destroy. Trust me, everyone would sit up and take notice then. Not him, of course. Don't crush him, but definitely scare the crap out of him. Anything to save this river. Come on, Hino. Snakes are your enemy. Well, hello to you too, Khan. See? Snake analogy's a good one. Because here you come, creeping up on me, slithering your way through until you got me in your glare. Ha! You've even got spectacles now, too. <sighs> well, that's my girl. Sweet as strawberries in June. Aren't you going to give me a hug hello? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm mad at you. In case you missed it? Yeah, mad enough to sick Skywoman on me. Yep. 
mad enough to get the Thunderers to scare the crap out of me. <laughs> Would love to see you run out of the council house trying to hide the bullet stains on that fancy suit. But you didn't wish me dead. Brewster White, that does not mean come give me a hug. Come on, Connie. We haven't seen each other in five years. Can we say hello first? Before we start the fight, please? Hmm. Oh, I missed you. I missed you too, you horrible jerk. You look good. Snakery agrees with you. That's not a word. It is now. Uh, you haven't aged at all. Ha! You might want to clean your spectacles, Snakey. It's like you stepped out of my memories and right onto this riverbank. <sighs> Forgot how you could pile it on. I haven't forgotten anything. <sighs> you smell good, by the way. Well, I should. Your cologne put me back a buck or so. Nice. No extra stink of whiskey to kill it. Can I hope? Four and a half years. I haven't touched a drop. Oh my god! Bruise! <laughs> I'm so happy for you! No wonder you look so good. You're finally taking care of yourself. <laughs> yep. See, I knew if I was ever going to see you again, I'd better be in fighting shape. I'm so mad at you. For so many reasons. I know. Not a word in five years. Not even... I know. And now this? is Selling our water? Our water rights. All your drinking must have pickled your brain. Our water rights. Like, what does that mean, exactly? Pure native. Uh, pure cow patties. It's the future. Selling water? Sounds like snake oil to me. Think about it. Outsiders love to snap stuff up if they feel like it's authentic and native. Native crafts, native coffee cups, tobacco. It all sells and sells big. Look at those stupid American spirit cigarettes with the native character on the front. Uh, mascot. Connie. It's a mascot. Just some random Indian-y caricature painted on the side to sell to gullible idiots. I bet no Indians are involved. You're right. None are. You want us to be like them? With our water? It's a commodity like anything else. And bottled water is becoming one of the biggest industries. If we get in on the ground floor, we can build our own brand, secure our futures. How does selling water secure anyone's future? Have you heard about Africa? Local water sources are being licensed to foreign investors, big corporations. And tribal people are getting left in the literal dust. Because that's what's happening to their land. It's dust. People are starving, desperate for water. Uh, we're not Africa. Aren't we? I know of at least two companies that have put out feelers to the government regarding the source of our river. How soon do you think it will be before that same government starts to figure out how much cheaper it would be to outsource water management to private interests? I'm just trying to give us some leverage, some value in this conversation. Uh, funny enough, you used to know our value, and it wasn't tied to money. Your husband agrees with me. Uh, whoa, what? That's why I'm here, now. Gary invited me. It was his idea to bring it to the council house. He set up the meeting. You've been in contact with Gary, but you couldn't even return my emails? Well, Gary didn't carve my heart out and stomp on it, did he? It's not about you and me. I know. I know. Seven generations. Well, I'm surprised you remember. You were so drunk you could barely sit straight. It's burned into my brain, Con. 
Sorry. Hey, you made a choice. That's all. People have to after a while. Plus, it helped inspire me. Okay. That's why I got started on this. Seven generations. We have to take care of the future. We can't just coast along anymore thinking everything's going to stay the same. I'm just trying to get us in the conversation. So this is my fault. Don't make it sound bad. It's not bad. I don't blame you for going to Gary. It made me ask myself some hard questions. <sighs> Listen close. Because I am never saying this again. I do love you. You know that. Gary knows that. I mean, heck, and everyone knows that. It's a small res. But what you're doing? This is exactly why we're not together. I'm trying to help. You're selling off bits and pieces of us. To play their game. To sit at their table. How else are we supposed to protect ourselves? Protest? They tried it in Africa, but the wheel of progress just rolled right over them. I'm just asking us to adapt a little. Like the residential schools wanted us to? Doing their job for them, are you? It's traditional to adapt. It's all over our stories. We do trade with the Cree, and so yeah, maybe they're knuckleheads, but the way they build their longhouse is pretty cool. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm fine with adapting. But you want us to change our values, who we are. We're defined by our culture, not by money. It's the only currency they value. And the only one you value now too, huh? Come to the meeting. You'll see, I'm only protecting us. No. You're helping them wipe us out. Yeah, that's my girl. Why punch when a knife cuts deeper? Sorry. It's not unexpected. I know you. No, I... I'm sorry we left you out there so long on your own. Dad always said, people get shapeshifters wrong. It's not about magic or evil. It's people who get so far away from who they are that the people who love them can't recognize them. I'm still me. You don't look like you. You don't smell like you. Jeez, I don't even know if I can see you at all. Come to the meeting. I'll roll out the whole thing. <sighs> I'm gonna enjoy this river while I can. That's... Cut. <sighs> you know, Thunderer, can you skip the boulders, please? Council house just got painted. You might spot a shape-shifting snake and think it's your moral enemy, but it's not. It's just somebody we used to know. I think he'll be gone soon.
Pidamayaye for joining us for this audio production of Limikin. It was directed by Rihanna Yazi and acted by Ajuak Kapashisat and Ugi Pushataniqua. The music is by Delbert Anderson. Sound editing and design by Peter Morrow with assistance from Derek DeLille. It was produced by New Native Theater located in Dakota Oyanke Territory, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. Up next, we hear from playwright Vicky Ramirez. Chapter Vicky Ramirez. I am Tuscarora from Six Nations. My mother was born and raised on Six. She met and married my dad, who's from Jamaica. <laughs> they moved right next door to a small town called Caledonia, which I don't know if you know right now is part of that whole 1492 land back lane protesting, which is our second land claims protest in a decade. And that's my hometown versus my home res. So I write plays about six. I write plays about uh, the Haudenosaunee, generally about six. So I try to change it around and make it more um, New York based sometimes, but it's really my people. <laughs> I write it for us, but I do hope that the issues I write about will transfer across nations because I think we do share. There's a large commonality in issues, things like constant attacks, government attacks on our sovereignty, and uh, you know, just recognition of who we are, erasure. All these things going on, these are things I write about. I do have family in Lewiston, so sometimes I throw in Lewiston references as well. And I've been living in New York City for the past 30 years, so I've, most of my theater-creating life has been in New York, uh, through the American Indian Community House, Amarinda, and uh, years and years and years ago, I, with Steve Elm, Kochi Sanderson, Irene Bedard, we all formed a theater company called Chukalakola Native Theater Ensemble, and we were doing that for a few years as well. You write these things, and, you know, I was lucky enough to get it produced. It was produced in um, Los Angeles and uh, South Dakota, and I was very happy and honored to have it done there. But still, you know, my people are East Coast. <laughs> And in L.A., there were a few of the Six Nations who were able to get out and see it. There were some interesting talkbacks we had at the end of the play because there were also people there from who were from Buffalo who remembered when, I think the governor's name was Pataki at the time, he sent the National Guard to the Seneca Reservation to try and... Uh, to break the blockade. It's pretty intense and contentious, and it's here we go again. <laughs> kind of a constant state with us. Like, for instance, when South Dakota was like, oh, you can't block our streets. It's like, it's not your streets, it's not your streets. Yet again, I'm, I'm just like, of course. There's lip service towards our sovereignty and, and what actually happens. It's the question of, for me, Oddly enough, the whole question of water rights, really, it's been something that's been niggling at me for a few years. When I first wrote that piece was just when I was really getting started with it, when I was seeing what Nestle was doing around the world. And then I started hearing about them approaching Native people as well. And I'm like, you know, water is such a basic resource. And 
people are doing deals and doing things, and it just started with me. But I also read about reservations that I think in California they have, I forget the name of the water, it's Arrow something. The factory is on the reservation, and they do the refining there, and they did a deal. So when I wrote Limitin, it's about that question of, tradition versus commerce. It's such a weird thing that we're colonized people and we have to live in this world. For me, I always hit the phrase Indian country. I mean, I get it. I understand the history, but Indian country literally is the Atlantic through the Pacific to the Bering Strait and just keep as far down as you can walk. This is all our country. So there's this outside controlling culture that is operated on commerce, on business, on profit. And our values are land and respecting the land. You don't take more than you can use. You don't pick the first bear you see. You don't use all the medicine. You save some, you leave some. You have to think with responsibility for the seven generations. And for me, it was that clash of being a contemporary Native person who has computers cell phones, internet, and how do you reconcile it? I remember Grandpa told me stories about shapeshifters for us were just people who got away from the culture so far that they'd forgotten who they were and their own family couldn't recognize them. I thought, what a great allegory for someone who is Native, but... I don't think he's a bad guy. Nobody's a bad guy. Everybody's trying to keep us going and keep our heads above the water. But it's that whole question of reconciling those things. And how do we do that as Native people? Growing up, it's like it's hard to reconcile the two. And if you choose one side or the other, there's a lot of sacrifices on both sides. The characters wouldn't stop talking, and I had borrowed those characters from another place, but they wouldn't stop talking about the whole issue. But in my head, the rest of the neighborhood started piping up. <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right, so let's just see where this goes. So I had a reading with the Eagle Project first in 2015 in December, and everybody just had the worst, most roughest first draft to read, but they did it, bless their hearts. And then I worked through it a bit and sent it to Native Voices, and they're like, okay, this needs some work, but if you're willing to do work, they got me tied up, uh, hooked up with a dramaturg. And so we worked through it, the both of us, and it went pretty well. We developed it from there. We had a couple workshops. We did a reading in La Jolla Playhouse. And then we came back and did some more development in New York. I was a new dramatist, and we did another reading with them. I was able to get it up to where I was satisfied, and then we just did an intensive development before the production. My favorites, I absolutely love Larissa's work. I do. I love Rihanna's work. I remember when I was at the public, they did a reading of a piece of Rihanna's and I was just blown away by how beautiful and poetic and layered it was. There is a Canadian playwright who was the first one who made me feel like I could do this. And because his characters sounded like the people on my res, but a lot more poetic and beautiful. His name is Thompson Highway. The play I seen was Dry Lips Ought to Move to Campus Casing. And it was poetic and beautiful, but funny as heck. Like, he also wrote The Rez Sisters. 
I just thought, wow, yes, this is what I want to do. So anything he does, I'm just open these days. My friend Dominique Morisot's good writer, uh, another friend of mine, she had a trilogy going up that I really wanted to see called the Vagabond Trilogy at the Public, Mona Mansour. She's an Arabic playwright, brilliant, brilliant writers. So I'd like to see them. And I do have male friends who are good writers, too. It's just the girls are really on fire right now. So <laughs> let's see them. The main thing is, is to trust your instinct. Trust your voice. You were given the stories you're given for a reason. I remember when I first started out, there were a lot of people who were kind of like, well, if you want this to be done, you're going to have to do this. Or if you want this to be done, you're going to have to do it this way. Or even from Native people, I'd get, well, that's not a very Native story. And it's like, which nation are you from again? We're not necessarily the same point of view. Trust your instinct. Every time you're given a story to write, if it really comes up, it is a gift. And there's a reason for it. Just get it out there and do it. And do the process. Make sure you get it to your friends. Get it out of your head onto the computer or the paper. And then get your friends to read it out loud. Because this is a collaborative art. It's not just where you sit and explore on your own as a writer. And these are gold and you work with it. It's like, no. You have to see if the voice sound like people in the way that you want it to. And you have to write what you want, but make sure you can answer any question that gets asked about it. If somebody goes, why did this happen? And you don't have an answer, you've got to find the answer. And that's the best way to find it. I would love it to have a circuit like our own Lort circuit across the country where we would just have this set of different plays, different voices, different nations, plays coming all around. And I'd love to have workshops set up on the res that we could just work directly with people and let them know that it's out there because I didn't know it was out there until I got to the city. We didn't even have drama clubs in our schools where I grew up. So this is an option for you because I think it's really empowering. And I think for us as Indian people, storytellers by nature, it's a natural art form for us. It's one that fits us like nice fuzzy slippers <laughs> and it's community based. So I would love cross coast circuit, Lort theaters, everybody earning enough to live and eat, but also just having a great time creating and getting kids on the res involved and excited about theater.